Welcome everyone to episode two of Computer Vision Decoded, where we sit down with Jared Heinley, Chief Scientist at EveryPoint, to discuss topics in today's quickly evolving world of computer vision. Today's episode, we're going to discuss Jared's recent trip to CVPR. And in this episode, Jared is going to give us a quick overview of the conference and a few key findings that he found at uh, the conference. So Jared, first off, welcome to the show. And can you just tell us what CVPR is? Because I'm assuming half of the audience might not have ever heard this conference. Yeah, no, thanks, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Um, so yeah, so CVPR, so it stands for uh, so the Conference on Computer Vision and Pattern Recognition. So that's where you get the CVPR acronym from. Um, and so CVPR, you know, is the top computer vision conference uh, that's held each uh, each year in the United States. And so it moves around uh, different parts of the U.S., but it's typically held um, during the summer months uh, uh, here in the U.S. Um, so yeah, it's the, the top computer vision conference. You know, it's it's there's both academics there, there's industry there, but it's you know a big place where. Um, you know, all the latest and greatest computer vision research uh, is, is being presented. All right. And so this year it was in New Orleans. My, my biggest question is, did you have alligator? <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Um, I had alligator two ways. I had it uh, the one day. Um, I was like, it was like an appetizer, like fried alligator bites. Um, it's really tender, really juicy. I was kind of surprised. Um, and then I also had it uh, another evening. Um, it was some like alligator sausage. Uh, nice. Tasted pretty good. So yeah. Well, if you've never been to that part of the country or Florida, you have to try fried alligator. <laughs> They're actually most people don't realize more of a nuisance than they are anything in those states of, uh, in the country. So, anyways, well, let's jump back into computer vision because I know that's what everyone's here for. Okay. So, at the show, there's 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 you know, there's papers, there's oral presentations, there's all sorts of different information, and if you watch Jared, uh, Jared, you have very robust Twitter feed from this show. So if you want to go back and watch this, just follow Jared. He's at Jared Heinley. But uh, I noticed that a lot of the papers, a lot of the presentations were very academic or scientific. If I'm a non-scientist, uh, me, myself, not an engineer or a scientist, uh, would it be worth me going to this conference and checking it out? Or do you feel like this is really geared towards you know the the computer vision and pattern recognition research community um people outside of that that academia and scientific study would they get something out of this yeah no, that's a good question um there's definitely you definitely could get something out of it i mean first and foremost cvpr it's a place to present yeah, academic work you know and so um, PhD students, researchers, professors, you know, throughout the year, or, you know, we'll have been, you know, working on papers, working on new methods uh, within the field of computer vision. Um, and then those are written up in papers, which are then are presented uh, at the conference, either through, you know, short oral presentations or as posters that are displayed uh, that then people can walk around and, and ask questions about and see. Um, so primarily it's, it's a way to discuss uh, and present academic work. Um, some of these works um, are easy to see, like you could walk up and there's a very easy method. It's, oh, hey, we, we took this problem, you know, here's some key insight, you know, here's this new solution. Um, and so there, there are, there's opportunities there to, you know, sort of learn and see new things, very understandable. Um, some of the works are maybe a bit more intimidating. Um, you know, I, I, I walk up and I'm like, I have no idea what 
what this math means, what this problem is. I've never heard of this before. And so it, it takes a bit of um, understanding to kind of you know, ask questions and, under, and see, well, why is this useful? What, what, what's novel here? What was new? Um, and so parts of that are, are a little more difficult, but it is an opportunity to um, get a sense of what, what the computer vision community at large uh, is working on. Um, you know, there's you know, thousands of uh, posters that were presented during the conference. Um, and so there's just a lot of, a lot of information there. Um, it's also interesting too, if, um, you know, there, there is a big industry presence, there's an industry expo that also happens in parallel. Um, that's primarily sort of a, uh, you know, recruiting event, you know, companies are there to, you know, attract uh, new talent, you know, um, sometimes they're also, you know, selling if they're, you know, like a, a camera company might try to sell a new camera or, or depth device, um, other kinds of sensors that they want people to be buying and using as part of their work or their research. Um, but, you know, there's a, it's an opportunity to get sort of the taste of, hey, here's what, what academics are working on and here's the kinds of talent that, you know, industry's looking for or, or things that industry's uh, tackling. All right, so it sounds like the expo is more geared for someone like me specifically. You wanna make connections in the industry, other companies may be doing things with computer vision, but not necessarily dive into those academic papers. Pretty sure if I looked at some of these papers, I would look at the pretty pictures, maybe ask a couple questions and they'd wonder why this guy's here. It's not really for me. Um, and so that's good, it's good to know because you know, we see a lot of these interesting conferences and you always wonder, is it worth the time and money to go to these conferences? And so it sounds like if you wanna go and learn about what's the newest in computer vision, it's more geared for the scientific community and less geared for um, you know, a project manager who just happens to have computer vision in the project. Um, so that's helpful. Yeah. And so you said you've been, you, you said before to me, you've gone to this show for several years. This is, uh, I mean, last year it wasn't in person, but you've been attending for, um, you know, at least a half decade longer. Longer. Yeah. My first was 2011. I was starting my PhD. Um, and so 2011 was my, the first CPPR I attended. Um, and I didn't attend every year since then, but um, Lisa, this has got to be my sixth, seventh, or eighth time there. Um, well, no, I guess it hasn't been in person the past two years. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been there many times uh, and have seen it grown over the years. Just kind of coming back, you know, CBPR. When I when I attended back in 2011, there were you know 1,500, 1,600 attendees, um, which at the time felt like a you know a big a big conference. Um, now. Uh, so the last time it was held in person was 2019. There were 9, 000, over 9,000 people um, in person attendance, which is huge. Now this year, um, with with travel restrictions and COVID, there was uh, lower attendance. There were 5,600 people um, in person, but it's it's a big conference. It just shows a, a testament to the industry as a whole and how it's it's growing and becoming a part of so many products and everyone's lives. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think everyone understands how computer vision is touching their lives everyone almost everyone on this planet in some way or another in some some way it right in a product they're using or invisibly behind some product so yeah it's, it's really exciting to see this this whole entire industry grow so as then you've seen this industry grow and of course things keep changing what was in 2011 probably a hot topic might be no longer a hot topic. Maybe we've mastered it. Uh, what what are some research trends or areas of research that have emerged in the last year or two that you you know 
that you've seen at this show that perhaps you weren't seeing so much of a couple of years ago because either it didn't exist or because that's where the market, you know, of course, industry money pushes research in certain directions as well. So what, what, what did you see as emerging trends there? Yeah, uh, I guess, I mean, like the biggest thing I saw was um, the prevalence of NERFs. So, you know, neural uh, radiance fields. Um, you know, there, and there was, um, there was a blog post, um, I think that Frank Dellert posted. So there was uh, like over 50 NERF papers there um, at, the, at the conference, um, which, which was just impressive. Every, time, every corner you turn, it's, oh, here's another you know, adaptation, another way to sort of improve, improve NERF. So, uh, so, so 3D, okay, so for people who aren't familiar with NERFs, you know, it's, it's a, um, a 3D representation of the world that you know, helps you can take photos as input. It sort of learns this um, volumetric representation that then you can use to render really, really nice images from vantage points that you, know, you hadn't captured. You know, so if I took a bunch of images, you know, 10 images of an object, I can now render sort of an infinite number of image, you know, views of that object from different angles. Um, so there's a lot of works focused around that. Um, which that's really taken off in recent years. Um, sort of coupled with it, I'd say, okay, that was sort of, you know, emerging. Um, another just big presence, which I think has always been there, um, just this year I happened to sort of notice it more, um, was the sort of intersection between, um, you know, computer vision and understanding humans. Um, and I'll say understanding humans in a 3D sense. So like, hey, from a video, can I recover the 3D pose, you know, of a person? You know, so where, where are their arms? Where are their legs? Where's their head? You know, how are their fingers? There's even a work on, can I reconstruct the, a person's tongue in their mouth? And that was sort of geared toward, you know, AR, VR, we're trying to create virtual avatars and, and really recover the complex geometry of a human uh, and be able to create that, you know, sort of lifelike um, replica. So a lot of works dealing with, you know, sort of digitizing humans, um, and understanding how do humans interact with spaces. Um, there was a big, um, there's a lot of work around sort of egocentric video. So it's, you know, uh, like first person views of a camera mounted to your head or camera mounted to you that's watching what you're doing and trying to learn um, from that sort of vantage point. Um, so that, that sort of, um, you know, human, human understanding uh, was also mm -hmm. sort of continued to be a big trend. Um, but yeah, just in general, a lot of works dealing with the 3D side of computer vision, which I was excited about. I'm, I'm sort of biased yeah. toward, uh, toward 3D. And so a lot of works dealing with you know, 3D rendering, 3D reconstruction, um, and just marrying uh, machine learning with 3D techniques. Um, talking about trends, I'd say a few years ago, a big trend was saying, um, hey, we've got this powerful tool, deep learning, machine learning. Let's use it to solve anything that we can. It's like, hey, we don't, we don't need geometry. We can, the you know, machine learning model can learn it. You know, we can learn the geometry of a lens. We can learn the geometry of the camera. Um, let's just do end-to-end -end learning, uh, which is still important and still being worked on. But where I'm seeing now a lot of advancements happen is saying, well, hey, we can use machine learning to solve, as a tool to solve these tasks. But if we also add in uh, our understanding of physics, understanding from the computer graphics literature from decades ago, Let's let's take in this understanding, combine it with machine learning in a, you know an efficient, intelligent way, and then it makes you know the results so much better. Um, so that for me was really exciting. Um, 
looking at how 3D is continues to be very relevant, you know, and useful uh, in a lot of these works. Yeah, you've mentioned that in the past to me several times that, that computer vision and machine learning are merging as far as a, a discipline of technology that you need to learn as a computer vision scientist. You no longer tend to just know 3D reconstruction or you, you know, that machine learning component is definitely becoming something that you at least need to know at a core understanding, maybe not be an expert in it in itself, but it is something that is playing in most people's technology stack when they're, when they're doing computer vision processes. I find that, I find that very interesting. Um, I'm going to jump back into nerfs. If anyone knows me, they know I'm, I've become Mr. Nerf because I've jumped into these and I found out that you can, you can actually play with them at a very tangible level and you don't need, you know, Nvidia's $20,000, whatever, $10,000 GPU for science research. You can actually do it on a um, fairly relatively new uh, RTX 3080 or, you know, even some of the older GPUs work fine for getting away with it. Um, so I've seen a lot of a lot of implementations. I, I looked through a lot of those papers, and um, I noticed that there's they all kind of have their different focuses. Some are just to visualize the world in a better way. Some are, you know, different alternate ways to to um, take let's say camera shake and reduce that camera shake down to nothing. Especially when you have extreme camera shake, how can you get a smooth trajectory path in that in that camera and make it look like you have a still shot or removing objects, things like that. Um, but then I also noticed NVIDIA announced they're doing 3D modeling in the way that you would expect a photogrammetry package to have. Um, so we're starting to see this in different sections of use. Um, and so I get a lot of people keep asking me, but really, why are wider why people even using NERFs? Because we can do all this with photogrammetry or, you know, they just don't see the point of it. Can you help? the non-scientific community, because I think that's who struggles. As a scientist, people say, of course this makes sense that we're diving into this research. And of course it's not in an iPhone or Samsung Galaxy Note or one of the, the newest you know, devices because it's, it's not there yet. But we're only two, two and a half years in. How do you see this technology playing out in, in maybe in either an everyday product or um, in some sort of fashion that you know, is not just this academic paper showing Look how we took out a kid on a bike from the scene as he drove through it. Yeah. So a nerf is a you know a representation of the world. It's it's a way to digitize, you know, and store information about reality. Um, so just kind of take a step back. So it's similar to um, if I think about okay, how can I model the room that I'm in? You know, I could have a CAD model which is gonna represent, you know, here are the vertices, here are like the, the, the walls, the planes, you know, sort of high level, you know, geometric properties of this room. You know, that's one way to digitize reality. Does that CAD model, maybe that CAD model is just the lines and the points, and so there is no color information. So then we say, okay, well, it'd be really nice to have color. So let's go to a, let's take that CAD model, instead convert it to a textured mesh. So we, okay, we've taken all those polygons, we've, uh, turn them into triangles, and so now we've got this triangle mesh that then we have texture coordinates associated with. Okay, now we've got color and geometry. Well, what about uh, reflections? Or, whoa, is this you know shiny, shiny surface or a rough surface? Okay, so now we start adding material properties to that textured mesh. Um, but then what about uh, fog? If I want to model, hey, there's a, you know, a fire and there's smoke or there's fog, 
you know, a, tri a triangle mesh can't represent smoke or, or fog because that mesh is a, you know, a specific surface. It's like I'm, you know, it's empty space and here's my triangle and then there's more empty space. Um, you need some other way to represent, um, you know, fog or the other effects. And so it, you, you can keep trying to switch to different implementations or different representations. And so that, that's where NERF is. NERF is just one style of representation to digitize uh, reality. Um, and what's, so what's nice is um, it, it can model complex interactions, um, you know, and so it, it, it's able to, you know, mimic reflections and, you know, sort of, you know, under, you know, as you look at an object from different angles, you're going to get different colors. Uh, and so it's able to understand and represent that the appearance of an object changes based on the direction that you look at it. Think of a reflection or mirror hat. The way I move my head and look at a mirror from different angles, I'm going to see different things. And so a NERF is able to capture that. Um, a NERF um, is also, so it's, it's represents it's sort of this uh, a volumetric uh, grid. Um, and so it's able to capture effects like density um, or fog saying that, okay, as I'm looking through this space, there's a particular density, and so I'm able to represent volumetric effects uh, inside of a NERF. Um, so the, it just, there's pros and cons to a NERF. So to me, it's akin to, you know, I've got a point cloud, I've got a mesh, I've got a, you know, a CAD model, you know, I've got a NERF. Um, each of them have sort of pros and cons and what they're able to represent, um, as well as how easy they are to manipulate. And so that's where I see right now with NERFs being, you know, rather new, it's we're saying, hey, okay, we, we've proposed this representation. Um, now, how can we use it? And so that's what a lot of this research is. It's saying, okay, well, hey, how can I use it to represent really large scenes? That's a field of research. How can I use it to get more accurate color, you know, or more efficient? How can I, you know, compute a NERF more uh, more quickly? Um, how can I manipulate a NERF? If I want to go in and manually edit a NERF to say, oh, I want to in, you know, inject a sphere here or move this or warp it or recolor it, how can I do that? Um, and so it, it's you know, just how there's been a lot of work dealing with you know, rendering and manipulation of CAD models or meshes. You know, there's a lot of work happening now about you know, the rendering, manipulation, uh, and creation of, of NERFs. Interesting. That, that really helps break that down for, for uh, normal people or people like me, I would say, um, I, I would also like to add it to really bring the analogy down. And this might be the wrong analogy, but I like to point out the fact that when cars came on the scene and over a hundred years ago, they were slow. I mean, a horse was way better mode of transportation. And I'm sure there was a lot of people said, yeah, this is just these, you know, loud, noisy machines that break down and they spew all kinds of, um, you know, smoke in the air. I don't, we, you know, these are just a fad, you know? Um, and now look, I mean, do we all take horses to work? No. Um, <laughs> so not to say that a nerf will replace some current technology, but it might, but it might just become another really great way to get, you said a 3d representation of a scene, an object. Um, and so I, that's why I always have been, that's why I have been keeping up with it because you don't want to wake up one day and realize we're, we're in the back of the technology stack because we dismiss this new technology. And lo and behold, nerfs have matured to that point where it's more efficient or better at producing some sort of 3D representation of a scene that you would that you were trying to do in a different way that just took more time. Um, 
perhaps more compute power. We've already seen the time and compute power coming way down in this. I'm also hearing from other people who are working on the visualization. So right now you make a nerf, you're training, that training times come way down, but it still takes a lot of compute power to then you know, trace light through a scene and, and, and visualize it. So I noticed that there's probably some research you even saw there. How can we visualize this better? How can we render it on a, yep. on a computer that isn't high end? Um, so I'm I definitely seeing that that progress and that move forward. And I look forward to, to kind of keeping up with that with you as well. And as, as we all kind of learn what's the newest uh, and latest and greatest. Um, so, all right. So I, I guess I'm getting near the end of a kind of questions I had about this um conference it's so it's grown really it's gotten much larger um you, you pointed out that there's nurse there's a machine learning being applied to make 3d reconstruction just faster more robust um and also it's a great event for people who want to go recruit so i'm guessing if you're trying to build a computer vision team you guys are not easy to hire it's not like you know not like there's you know thousands and thousands of you being graduated each year from a bunch of different universities. So that's that's a good reason to go alone if you're trying to recruit, make connections in the industry. Um, but on top of all of that, um, if you were to go next year and you, you are a non-scientist, would you just recommend they go to the expo? Do you, do, you, do you still feel like they maybe get something and see those papers? Maybe go, uh, I think for me, as a non-computer vision person, and the whole point of this 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 show is to kind of decode computer vision. Mm-hmm. Would it would it be worth it for me to let's say attend with you or attend with your computer vision team, and they could probably be your liaison to this world of computer vision and kind of them decode what you're seeing here? Um, does that that be a good strategy? Perhaps if you're a, a an executive at a company, you want to learn more about what's going on trends. Yeah, um, no, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a, that's a good recommendation. Um, you know, having, yeah, if you've got a computer vision team, go with them, you know, have, use them as your you know, liaison. But I also, and, and I give this advice to, you know, any student or, you know, person at their first time at CVPR, um, try to give this advice. And just, I'd say, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, the computer vision field is really large. And so no one is an expert in the entire breadth of the field. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would say, you know, when you're there, take advantage of the poster session. The poster sessions are my absolute favorite part of CVPR because that's the time when you get to interact with the authors uh, of those works. And so people love talking about their, what they've accomplished, what they've done. Um, and so I'd say I, I try to model this. I try to encourage other people to do it. But you know, take advantage of the poster session. Walk up to a poster. If you see something interesting in the title, see something interesting um, on, you know, on the poster itself, some interesting graphic, even if you don't, if you have no idea what's going on, just kind of say, hey, I'm new to this field. Can you just explain to me you know, in 30 seconds what, what's sort of the high-level idea or what were the key, key takeaways or insights? Um, and, and the authors you know, can then give you those insights because a lot of times with these works, yes, you know, there may have been a lot of formulas on the poster or oh, the method that took a lot of engineering to pull off, but there really is you know, one, two, or three sort of like key insights um, that the author discovered and it was able to use to enable this breakthrough in, in what they're publishing. Uh, and a lot of times those results, that those key insights are very understandable. Um, mm-hmm. And so just, just going and asking questions um, during that poster time is, is to me the most valuable. Um, I will also call out, uh, usually during these conferences, like this time, uh, the first two days 
where the tutorials and workshops, and then it was four days of the main conference, and that's where the, the oral presentations and posters were. Um, but take advantage of those tutorials. So the purpose of the tutorial during those first two days when there's workshops and tutorials happening is to teach people new concepts. You know, and so there typically are tutorials around machine learning or uh, 3D reconstruction, sort of whatever is you know, relevant at the time. Uh, and so that's a great forum to attend uh, and learn more about it. So for instance, like this year, there was a tutorial on NERFs, you know, which really walked through, like, here is the basics of the basics, is to find the terminology, you know, what is a radiance field? How did we get here? Um, and then starts building on top of that saying, okay, well, with this basic knowledge, we can add it on. It's sort of like, you know, a compressed mini lecture that, that walks you through the topic um, and tries to bring you up to speed so that you can better approach and understand uh, the work that's happening. Yeah. So there's and, a lot of opportunities just to yeah learn, ask questions, and yeah. You know. How often do you have a chance to stand face to face with you know the lead researcher on a on a on a concept or at the paper sessions? That's what I've noticed is you, know, you see these these specific people. I mean, I would call them computer vision science celebrities in in some cases where you know they are the foremost researcher perhaps in this specific domain of computer vision and they're presenting a new paper and there's no other way you're going to have a chance to ask them a question. I mean, maybe if you're in academia, it might, but uh, most of the time they're heads down doing research and uh, you can't just ask them questions about that paper. Um, mm -hmm. I, I also notice as you read through a lot of these papers, um, I've, I've gotten better at reading them and realizing they're all structured the same way. Um, yeah. There's definitely a formula that they or format they have to follow. And um, yeah, this, this one thing that people always tend to skip over are the assumptions and I don't know if assumptions are risks or, you know, there's, there's always some shortcomings. So people say, oh, this is amazing with Nerf, right? And then there'll be some assumptions and there'll be some um, like shortcomings they pull out. Like for the, for example, they say this took 30 hours using four very expensive GPUs or 10 seconds of output video. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it looks great, but they're also saying, you know, we're assuming you have that hardware and that time to wait for this output, or they're assuming the imagery you have is perfect. And if that's something I want to talk to. Um, I'm going to allude to the next episode of Computer Vision Decoded, just talking a little bit about the challenges of computer vision in the wild. And I know you have a lot of background on that. And so people, uh, don't realize when you see these really great models, of, let's say a shoe, everyone likes to see shoes and rocks. But a lot of times those are put on a pedestal with a white background or on a turntable and everything's perfect and it's not in the wild. Or, you know, there's a, a lot of things going on to get those captures just right. You're doing something for an archaeological preservation and you can control a lot of the environment. But you're trying to put a lot of this in practice, for example, AV, autonomous vehicles, everything's wild. You know, you're not driving on a racetrack that everything's always the same. Even mm -hmm. even the light changes as you're driving dynamically. So um, I like to point that out. In these papers, they're assuming a lot of things. Um, always look for that. And, um, you know, you can ask those questions. You can ask those hard questions. And they're excited because they get to talk about what they've been working on for perhaps years um, on this paper. So uh, anyways, with that, uh, any any last remarks you want to add on CVPR? Uh, is, is so, I'd just give you that last chance. Oh, I'm just to me. I'm just I'm excited. Uh, I mean, for computer vision in general. I mean, of course, the field keeps growing. It's really active. 
um, and just my own bias, you know, I, I love, you know, taking computer vision and applying it to 3D problems. You know, and that's where I see, you know, 3D computer vision is alive and well and is thriving um, just in, in the ways that it's being applied across the board. And so I, I love just seeing all the, the breadth of problems that people are tackling um, using 3D computer vision, using really practical insights, you know, and applying them to new problems uh, to solve things that had never been solved before. So. Great. Well, thanks for breaking down the CVPR conference. Um, I'm excited to watch you with your, your Twitter feed next year. It's, it's, <laughs> it's your Super Bowl event on Twitter. And again, I'm going to throw this out there. It's at Jared Heinley, just like you see on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. It's J-A-R-E-D-H-E-I-N-L-Y for the people listening on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter. That's where he's most active. Um, and he does a great job at taking these papers and just distilling them in obviously only a few sentences because that's all you have on Twitter. Um, so you can go back and watch pretty much all, not all of the papers because there was what, hundreds, thousands of papers, but uh, you can get some great ones that at least if you like what Jared's saying here, it's a good way to see what he's interested in and learn a little bit about um, what he saw at the show. So again, Jared, thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing everyone at the next episode. We'll do this every two weeks. And uh, again, next episode will be computer vision in the wild. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Jared. Thanks.